0: Welcome to Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. Today, we're joined by Dr. Mark Greenwood. He's the Family Medicine Medical Director with Intermountain Healthcare. Thank you for joining us today.
1: You are so welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. You
0: know, as we've talked about the coronavirus, the pandemic, and the changes we've made in our communities, and our families, and our schools, there's also been changes as we as individuals try to figure out what is the safest way to keep my children safe. We you know, what, what are the best steps for me to take to keep myself away from this virus? And from what I understand, Dr. Greenwood, is this is impacting the rates of immunizations in our households. Talk to us a bit about that.
1: Well, you're certainly right in that it's disrupted normal life for all of us, be that at home and school and family and including the way we consume other health care. And it's been certainly easy to become so focused on the coronavirus that we forget about some of the other risks uh, to our health that are out there that also need to be addressed. If we focus disproportionately on coronas to the to the exclusion of all of these others, then we've probably not made a, a good decision in terms of risk benefit. Also, and, and it's understandable that especially if, uh, to start with that we kind of maybe just became a little paralyzed and and didn't consume a lot of our other normal health care. But as this has gone on and it's become apparent that this will be an ongoing thing, we have observed that rates of a lot of normal screenings and preventive care, including immunizations and well-child checks, have started to fall off. And and so as, as healthcare care providers, that's started to become alarming to us That that we don't want to take our eye off some of these other balls as well. And we need to circle back around and and figure out what the new normal is and make things as safe as possible, still figure out ways in this new reality with this new threat of Corona to realize it's not the only threat and that there are still all of these other normal viruses and bacterias that we do have vaccines for. And that it becomes that it's critical to get the ones that we have while we're waiting for the one that we don't.
0: Mm. It is. I appreciate your perspective, because very few of us are epidemiologists. And we've had to learn how viruses are transmitted from one person to another and then learn uh, what a difference it is to wash our hands for an extended period of time and use soap and the role of social distancing and masks. All of that has created quite an educational curve. So it does make sense that we might be more focused on that than on the other things that are very important for us. So as a family medicine
1: practitioner,
0: what other health issues, viruses or immunizations are you concerned about us missing?
1: Well, and and even just beyond the vaccinations, you mentioned the things we're doing now with covid the hand washing and the being more careful and the sanitization and the cleaning, the nice thing is those things will prevent, will, will help protect us against all of these viruses, right? So those, that's a win-win that we're being perhaps more uh, safe, but still vaccination is more effective than than cleaning and masking. And so the the typical things that are out there every year are still going to be out there this year, even with, in addition to Corona. So common colds and flus, um, influenza, there's always an influenza season, and we're really worried about that this upcoming winter, the prospect of having a flu season and a COVID season for younger kids. There's RSV, there's the typical measles and mumps and whooping cough, uh, rotavirus, um, and, and the vast majority of these pneumonia, we have vaccines for these. So let's, let's make sure we get the vaccines for the ones we have. At the same time, we're worried about the one that we don't yet have. And, of course, we're hoping that we will get a corona vaccine. Um, we just don't know yet if, when, and where, and how that's going to look.
0: Right. And that vaccine still needs to be thoroughly tested before it will even have a chance to be widely distributed to all of us. In my lifetime, though, I can look back and think about how I had teachers who had been stricken by polio. Um, I had seen evidence of measles and things that most parents nowadays don't have to worry so much about because of vaccines and immunizations. But uh, we are now going through what I think uh, happened in the first part of the 20th century. They had these deadly, serious diseases, measles and of uh, mumps and uh, polio, and scientists had to find ways to stop it, and that's where we're at with COVID-19. Scientists are currently trying to find ways to stop this virus. Dr. Greenwood, what are some of the vaccines that are available to help us combat different viruses that could threaten our health?
1: Polio, measles, mumps, rubella, influenza. We have a rotavirus vaccine. We have vaccines against certain strains of pneumonia, certain strains of meningitis, Um, for high-risk kids there's an rsv vaccine but it's very expensive so most kids can't get uh, uh, can't get that one whooping cough and tetanus um, and then for adults too um, there's pneumonia vaccination series and even shingle vaccination series so it's important too to remember that that not just kids can get vaccines for preventable infectious illnesses that. Even adults, especially those over 65, have some vaccines that can also prevent them from getting sick as well.
0: What is the best way to ascertain what immunizations we should have at what stages of our lives?
1: Oh, a couple ways. Number one, websites, but make sure you go to good websites like the CDC. And certainly folks are always welcome to go to intermountainhealthcare.org. And then, of course, the, the place you can never go wrong is to go see your family physician or your pediatrician, your primary care provider, uh, who can sit down with you and go over what the recommended vaccines would be for your age and your health and your risk status.
0: Are children and teens at greater risk of getting um, viruses in general because typically they're congregating in larger groups, either in classrooms, etc.? I,
1: I suspect that's the case. Now, that's a tough question, Rebecca, mm-hmm. just because each virus is different in terms of how it's transmitted and and how the person tends to respond when they get it, and how symptomatic they are. So it's tough to make blanket statements that that are truly applicable to all viruses. But uh, these these are predominantly respiratory illnesses that are passed from one person to another. So when you have more people in close contact. Um, regardless of age those are going to be areas where you're more likely to transmit and catch these bugs.
0: Mhm. And Dr. Greenwood for those who just joined us, this is Dr. Mark Greenwood, the Family Medicine Medical Director with Intermountain Healthcare. Now, during the pandemic, there has been a drop in teen and childhood vaccinations, and that trend is seen across the country as well. As a Family Medicine Medical Director, why are those trends concerning to you?
1: Yes, nationwide These rates have dropped. And again, like we talked about, it's a little understandable, especially early on. There might be some apprehension and cause people to pause. I think we're a little disheartened that that pause has lasted longer than we would like. And that's nationally and locally. But I think the old adage of an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of, of cure. And some of these viruses, we still don't have treatments for, right? The statement, there's no cure for the common cold many viruses, in fact, most just don't have a treatment for. So if you can prevent the infection um, with vaccines, um, how much better is that to keep people healthy than having to, to deal with the consequences and the, the illness and in some cases even death that come downstream? So ab- absolutely, it's it's concerning when we see the vaccination rates drop. Um, we just have to remember that yes, coronavirus is there and it's one more virus but it's not the only virus all of these others still exist and to not protect ourselves in the reasons and the areas that we can because we're we're focused on this other would would probably not be good decision making and not a good risk benefit analysis so we we are try, doing our best to get the message out that we need to still get our vaccines and our checkups and our health screenings. And we can't just be in a in a forever mode of delay because now we've got one more virus that's out
0: there. Mm-hmm. One of the things you, you indicated was, you know, how does a parent or an adult know which vaccinations we should have and at what stages, what vaccinations our children should have? And you said there's some very reliable websites like the information from the CDC, et cetera, or go to your family practice physician. One thing that I have noted is that there is a growing distrust uh, towards modern medicine. And and there's a growing distress sometimes towards vaccinations and immunizations as well. Are family practice physicians comfortable, ready to have those kind of conversations so that if, let's say I'm a patient who's concerned about whether it's appropriate for me to vaccinate or immunize my children? Can I bring those questions to my family doctor?
1: I would certainly hope that's the case. Um, here too, each patient and each provider is going to be different and have their own perhaps style or personality or biases, but as a general statement, I would certainly hope that we as medical providers and professional would be able to have respectful, informed conversations with our patients and recognize that everything we do is a conversation of what are the pros, what are the cons, what are the risks, what are the benefits, and make an individual decision and and joint decision with the between the patient and the provider to figure out for that person where what's the best course of action for that person blending both the science as well as the preferences and beliefs of the patient so I would certainly hope that that's the case that that people would always feel comfortable going to their provider and expressing their thoughts and questions and concerns and be able to have a nice uh, respectful conversation and exchange of ideas.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's done in the privacy of a medical office. So to me, it's a wonderful setting to bring those questions, especially to a practitioner who has your history, health history, and your child's health history and can review that and give you the most specific information for you and your family. Aside from immunizations, which we need to make sure we do a concerted, make a concerted effort uh, to get and to look for those vaccines. Vaccines to make sure we're protected as we're moving forward into the uh, the flu season, et cetera, and pneumonia season. What about the importance of well child checks? Uh, has there been a drop in there? Is that something that you're concerned about as a physician?
1: Sure, both both well child checks as well as adult care. There are certainly a lot of other preventive things that go on besides just vaccines. Um, you know, when you bring your child in, there's depression screenings and depending on their age, lifestyle choices and substance abuse and mental health and, and sexual counseling and all of, all of these different things, blood pressure and, and appropriate other screenings that take place. So certainly there's more to health and well-being than, than just infectious diseases and vaccines. Admittedly, those are dominating our collective conscience right now. Um, but but all the more reason why we need to still keep that focus on our overall wellness and and health care and well being, and not allow that hyper focus on the COVID to distract us from all of these other important things. And that's true for the young, uh, the young and the not so young. We're seeing that with adults as well. Some of our screenings like mammography and colon cancer screenings that have dropped a little bit and treatment of chronic diseases like high blood pressure or diabetes where perhaps people aren't um, getting their checkups or follow-ups or their routine testing. So all, all of those things as a family physician are quite concerning to me and really doing my best to help get that message out that that healthcare offices and hospitals have improved protocols and doing everything we can to make it as safe as possible for people to come and uh, and participate and be able to still get their routine screening and health care.
0: Mm, and I appreciate that. In a well-child visit, what are some of the things that you were looking for when a child or a teen comes in? And I'm assuming well-child visits ideally are happening once a year.
1: Uh, depends on the age. When you're a little younger, of course, newborns and in that first year or two of life, often you're in every two or three months. Mm -hmm. And then that spaces out to every year or two as you become more towards kindergarten age or becoming a teenager. But it's a combination of the physical, the mental, the social, the emotional, um, everything from weights and vital signs and uh, developmental milestones. Are they walking appropriately? Is their musculoskeletal development appropriate? Is their size normal? Uh, Are they tending towards becoming obese. Should they be screened as a result for for high blood pressure, or their cholesterol, or their diabetes? Are they showing signs of depression? Um, and then as they get into their teenage years, the discussion pivots significantly more towards some lifestyle things like uh, substance abuse, and again, mental health, of course, uh, and then counseling and, and screening around uh, sexual choices, and potentially even sexually transmitted diseases, which reminds me of another vaccine I didn't necessarily mention, which is the Gardasil vaccine, which is against the HPV virus. Now, that is not a respiratory virus. Um, that's a sexually transmitted virus, but also now a recommended vaccine for kids in their teenage years. Um Which, of course, if we're not keeping current on our screening and our well-child checks, that rate is going to drop at all. So we'd we'd hate to see ultimately that prevent cervical cancer and we'd hate to see a a rise in cervical cancer.
0: And, And that's one of the only vaccines that I'm aware of that prevents cancer. It's it's a vaccine you can give to your children. Is it for boys and girls? Please correct me. Between the ages of 10 and 11, um, they'd receive two doses. And then there is prevention from the development of cancer.
1: Agreed. That's the only cancer that I can think of off the top of my head either that's vaccine preventable. Pretty remarkable when you think about that. And it can be started as early as nine. Often it's kind of given as part of the... Uh, seventh grade checkup and shots, if you will, but actually can be given as early as nine and up to about age 26. And as long as you start the series before age 15, uh, then actually it's a two-shot series now. So get that first dose there in that 9, 10, 11 range, and then that booster. Anytime after that, you have to wait at least five months between the two between the two shots but Mm -hmm. very opportune time to get that series
0: right and get that protection before any chance ideally any chance of exposure occurs. And and it's it, to me, it's just a stunning uh, vaccine, stunning development that has been proven safe uh, by the FDA for many, many years. Uh, as you mentioned, adults are also uh, in need of, of opportunities to meet regularly with our health practitioners just for general checkups to make sure everything's okay. What are you looking for when an adult comes in?
1: It's a little bit age and gender dependent, whether you're somebody male or female, more middle aged or more beyond middle age, if you will, um, I always hesitate to say people are quote unquote old. <laughs> um,
0: Somehow <laughs> that term became charged, didn't it?
1: <laughs> so try to try to be sensitive there, but the the basics are always the basics. Um, vital signs are vital signs for a reason. Um, What is your weight? What is your blood pressure? What is your pulse? What is your oxygen? And then depending on age and gender, um, some common things. Most of us in our adult years should be screened every about three years for things like high cholesterol and diabetes. Those, of course, would be blood tests. Blood pressure would be in addition or just on your vital signs. And then cancer screenings, uh, different between women and men, right? Cervical cancer is is a cancer screening for more younger and middle-aged women. And then that incidence actually tends to go down as you get older. And really the recommendation after age 65 for women kind of goes away for cervical cancer screening. And then the other cancers that tend to become more common as we get older, uh, breast cancer for women, which in the absence of a strong family history starts somewhere in the 40 to 50 year range, depending on which guideline you look at. And then colon cancer screening, which is both genders, which which is uh, recommended now in the age 45 to 50 and up. Um, And there actually are some great new technologies for colon cancer screening. People are more familiar with colonoscopy, and I can certainly understand the stigma or the lack of wanting to get a colonoscopy that that makes perfect sense to me that it's a wonderful screening test however for preventing colon cancer but there are some new stool based tests where a stool sample can be done every year or two um that have also shown to be very uh very effective so we we tend to say colonoscopy still the gold standard if you will and the preferred but for those who are unable or unwilling to do a colonoscopy these other methods can be very uh can be very effective. So that's that's kind of the uh, kind of the assortment of things I tend to think of as I'm looking at the adult population and and doing their well and preventive assessments. Well,
0: I really appreciate how adept and ready you were for all of those questions because indeed those baseline tests, the screenings, whether we're talking about cholesterol tests or blood pressure numbers or exams or screenings for us, we may not always appreciate. How that information in the hands of a doctor like you can help you determine whether or not we are experiencing the beginning of a disease that could be quite serious down the road or is quite serious right now. And that's why, to me, it's so crucial that we do regularly check in with a practitioner. Uh, for me, you know, we have just a couple of minutes left, Doctor Greenwood, but I'm always, I, I always want to make sure I take this opportunity uh, with the mammograms. I was, mm, I, I, I've been getting annual mammograms since I was about 45 because of a strong family history, and um, for me, I was about six months late to get my annual mammogram, and in so doing, they did find the breast cancer at stage 2B. Now, there's no telling if I would have been able to make it at that one-year mark, whether or not we would have found that cancer at a slightly earlier stage, stage 1, which would have been more treatable, and maybe I would have avoided chemo, et cetera. Uh, but, But that's, to me, where my passion comes from, is that checking our bodies regularly, can help prevent the onset as well as the advanced progress of diseases that might be occurring in our body that could be very treatable if we find them early enough. So just wanted to share that. So it is worth it. It's important to go and keep those appointments on schedule uh, so that we can live a more fully joyful and robust life. Dr. Greenwood is the Family Medicine Medical Director for Intermountain Healthcare, and we've been talking about the importance of staying on top of our children's vaccines and immunizations, our own ability to obtain vaccines and immunizations as adults for things like pneumonia. How about shingles? That's out there as well, right? Just to make sure that COVID-19 doesn't keep us distracted from the other parts of our health that are important to pay attention to. Before I let you go, Dr. Greenwood, how confident can we as patients feel about going to clinics and going to see our family health practitioners for these checkups when we're so concerned about COVID-19?
1: Well, I so appreciate you asking that question, and, and I think we need to have a frame it in a proper fashion. I, I hear a lot of discussion right now um, where people say, is, is it safe, um, and whether that's school or the doctor's office or whatever. And it it causes me a little concern when we frame the question that way. It makes it sound as if it's all or nothing, meaning either it's safe or it's unsafe, as opposed to acknowledging that everything we do in life is a spectrum of safety and or risk and that we always have to keep in mind the risk-benefit ratio, and then we do our best to mitigate the risk. So I think what we've seen in all aspects of our society including at the doctor's office and the health care is increased efforts to mitigate and lower risk to make it as safe as possible uh, within our circle of control and because of that there it's safer now to go to the doctor or hospital than it's probably ever been and like we've talked about all of these measures will help against all of the viruses and bacteria not just covid so I truly think when you look at, at those measures and all of the infectious conditions that are out there that, that now is probably the most safe and least risky time that we've probably ever had to go to the doctor with masking and screening and changes in visitation policies um, and sanitization. Um, I, I, I think if we can be as confident now in the safety of getting our healthcare services and both those that are urgent and not urgent as at any time in probably our entire life.
0: How about that? That's an incredible endorsement. Dr. Mark Greenwood, thank you for your work in family medicine, the family medicine medical director with Intermountain Healthcare. And of course, if you have more questions, you can go online to intermountainhealthcare.org. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.
1: Rebecca, thank you so much.
0: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon.